If NPR Justice Correspondent Carrie Johnson is half as eloquent in her upcoming event with St. Louis Public Radio as she was on today's show talking about the justice system, we have a lot to look forward to this Friday. The problem with the Justice Department over the last four years is that, uh, to some extent, public confidence um, has been uh, eroded. Public buy-in there happens when the system is perceived as fair and when there's a sense of confidence that law enforcement and courts are doing the right things for the right reasons. I think we're right in the middle of that conversation right now. I'm Sarah Fenske. That conversation is ahead after this. I'm Emily Woodbury, senior producer for St. Louis on the Air. Before today's episode, I want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. Our team works hard to provide nuance on the news that shapes your life and your community. And we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. The money you give to St. Louis Public Radio helps fund our podcast. So please go to stlpr.org donate and give an amount that works for you. Your contribution, along with that of your neighbors, is what fuels St. Louis on the air. And we're really grateful. Thank you for your support. This Friday, NPR Justice Correspondent Carrie Johnson will take the virtual stage along with St. Louis Public Radio's own Rachel Lipman. The event is called Justice Speaks with Carrie Johnson. It's the second annual Justice Speaks event in partnership with Legal Services of Eastern Missouri, which has worked to provide access to justice since 1956. You can register for Carrie and Rachel's conversation at stlpublicradio.org events. But first, Carrie is joining us today to give us a look into her world. So, Carrie Johnson, welcome. Happy to be here. Thank you. So, Carrie, things have been very busy for anyone covering the justice system in the past four years. Are you hoping things will quiet down in this last month of a lame duck presidential administration? I wish I wish that would be the case, but I expect, as do many others, that the president, uh, President Trump, on his way out the door, is likely to issue a number of pardons, perhaps even pardons of his close associates and family members, and so that will be a justice story. And Bill Barr, the Attorney General of the U.S., is not quiet for very long. I think we're going to see some more steps and actions out of this DOJ before inauguration day in January, for sure. So they are going to continue to keep you busy. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse for a reporter. I feel like it goes both ways. A full employment act, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, I want to break down a couple of those things you talked about. And one is this idea of him going around pardoning associates. I know he can do that, but do we know if he can pardon, say, himself? preemptively. That's that's an excellent and very complicated legal question. Uh, One office inside the Justice Department has suggested that is not possible, but uh, many other people believe President Trump might try to do that. The question is, if he does, who's going to challenge it? The uh, Joe Biden Justice Department, does it want to get involved in that mess? And also another question is, for what potential crimes would Trump pardon himself? These are all big, big issues. You know, Trump was investigated by the special counsel investigating uh, Russian interference in the election. The special counsel appeared to find that the president may have obstructed justice in the course of that effort. But 
presidential pardons only apply to federal crimes, not state or local crimes. And we know that uh, the Trump organization is under investigation in New York. Hmm. So speaking of New York, the attorney general there, that's, that's Letitia James, she said she thinks Trump will resign so that Mike Pence could become president and that Mike Pence would then pardon him. Do you see that scenario happening? You know, I don't want to say never, because a lot of things have happened in Washington in the last four years that have surprised me greatly. That whole scenario was actually laid out as a hypothetical uh, decades ago in uh, legal documents. Uh, one would question whether Mike Pence, the current vice president, would be able to maintain his political ambitions to run for the White House himself if he were to grant that type of pardon to President Trump on the way out the door. I think that may be a limiting principle, but we'll see. You said this was laid out in legal documents years ago. Was this related to Nixon or what what put this on the table? Yeah, a lot of these uh, questions with respect to pardon date back to the Watergate era. And then, of course, uh, we had another round of legal issues with respect to presidents and uh, federal law during the Bill Clinton administration in that scandal over whether he obstructed justice in the investigation involving Monica Lewinsky. So Mm -hmm. we do have some precedents for these things in the recent past. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing to know that that people have had to vet these questions before. But as you say, something unprecedented could happen here. This is going to be interesting to watch. Bigger picture, I'm curious your thoughts on how the Justice Department has changed during Donald Trump's tenure. Well, we expect a change in every administration if it goes from Democrat to Republican or Republican to Democrat. But there have been seismic shifts in this DOJ under President Trump. We've not only seen basically uh, a, a defanging of the Civil Rights Division, especially with respect to its investigations of excessive force and potential discrimination by state and local police, but we've also seen a big shift in the uh, environment and the kinds of cases it takes on the environment. We have near record low numbers of white collar crime prosecutions at the Justice Department under this administration. And of course, a major shift in immigration. The Justice Department controls in part the immigration courts. And there's been a lot of unrest there over the last three, three and a half years. Do you think um, this is something where, say, in the first year, um, a President Biden will be able to make a big impact in all those areas? There is certainly a lot of pushing. There are things that the Biden Justice Department can do right around day one to effectuate some change. One thing is to uh, get rid of a memo in the Trump era DOJ that makes it near impossible for civil rights lawyers to uh, seek consent decrees, court enforced agreements with uh, states and localities over policing and other issues. Another thing the Biden DOJ could do rather quickly is to get rid of a Trump era memo that directly directs prosecutors to charge defendants with the most serious provable crimes. This is a big shift from the Obama DOJ, which had moved toward a more smart on crime orientation. They didn't want to lock people up for decades for drug crimes that potentially involved no violence whatsoever. Hmm. So what do we know about the top contenders for who would be running the Justice Department under President Biden? This is a source of real fascination to me. You know, in Washington, we talk about the big four uh, cabinet posts and justice is still 
We still don't have a prospective nominee. It's been taking them a long time, and they are taking a long time to make this complicated decision. Some of the people who are getting a lot of cachet in conversation here among current and former officials lately include Alabama Senator Doug Jones, a longtime friend of the president-elect Joe Biden, a former U.S. attorney in Alabama during the Clinton administration with uh, a record of prosecuting Klan members who bombed a church in Birmingham in 1963, Hmm. an infamous civil rights murder. And another name that's getting a lot of attention in recent weeks is Merrick Garland. He (laughs) may be familiar because he's a judge, of course, a federal appeals court judge, President Obama nominated to replace uh, the late Justice Antonin Scalia on the Supreme Court. Mitch McConnell in the Senate took no action. Merrick Garland quietly went back to his day job. Some people want to enlist Merrick Garland to ensure a sense of integrity and confidence in the Justice Department. Again, another name mentioned a lot is Sally Yates the Obama-era deputy attorney general who uh, made criminal justice reform uh, one of her top priorities as well. Hmm. Hearing some of these names and thinking about how Merrick Garland was presented to us when he was up for that Supreme Court position, which of course he didn't end up getting, um, these don't seem like real bomb throwers, um, radicals. These are people who maybe seem like they're going to be coming from a place that that wouldn't be shocking from, from people who remember the Obama administration or previous Democratic administration. Is is that fair to say? Well, they're certainly all people with uh, experience inside the Justice Department in the past, which matters. And they're certainly people who are, uh, some would argue, more easily confirmed in a closely divided Senate, which appears to be led by Republicans in January, at least at this point. Uh, Biden's team is taking that under consideration as it makes its choice as to who should be the attorney general, the next attorney general. I will say, though, that uh, the Biden and Kamala Harris are getting pushed a little bit by civil rights groups and progressives to take bold action when it comes to the next attorney general, somebody who can effectuate real change in civil rights and other priorities. And progressives may be a little uh, miffed about the person Biden eventually chooses. Hmm. I understand that uh, those civil rights leaders, they're also looking for increased diversity. Are there any leading candidates here who are people of color? We have one, Deval Patrick, the former governor of Massachusetts, who also led the Civil Rights Division at Justice in the Clinton administration. Uh, the, uh, the sticking point there may be that Deval Patrick has run for president at least once. He may want to do it again in 2024. Mm. Not sure he wants to uh, have the Justice Department uh, uh, job uh, if he still wants to pursue that big goal. And we did have another name in contention, Jay Johnson, uh, who led the Homeland Security Department in the Obama years. Jay Johnson took himself out of the running last night for any administration post. Hmm. Well, that's that's another one. Um, I'm sure you'll be keeping an eye on. It's going to be a super interesting pick and seems like a, a wildly influential pick in terms of the policy that's going to be coming out of out of the Biden administration. We're talking today to NPR Justice Correspondent Carrie Johnson. Um, she's going to be the guest of honor at an event called Justice Speaks with Carrie Johnson, which you can uh, join this Friday, December 11th. We have all sorts of information about that on our website. Carrie, we did have a couple of listeners who had questions for you that they shared via our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. Um, Mary asks, how has the school to prison pipeline conversation changed the view of the justice system? Do you think there's been a fundamental shift in how we as Americans think about it? 
I think it has become a part of the conversation in the last 10 years in a way it had not been before. That is for sure. In the Obama administration, both the Education Department and uh, the Justice Department had people focused on these issues to interact with uh, state and local officials and schools uh, to try to develop guidelines and in some cases bring cases, bring cases where they felt that uh, practices were discriminatory. And in some cases, achieve settlements, help achieve settlements over those issues. We've seen a lot less of that action in the Trump administration. Uh, uh, Justice, racial justice of all sorts is a priority of the incoming Biden administration. Kamala Harris in the Senate cared about and talked about these issues. I do expect it to be back on the radar in a more forceful way next year. And Betsy also asked this question, again, through our St. Louis on the Air Facebook page. She says, we hear so much about injustices. Does justice still prevail? I know that's such a big question, but what's your sense from from covering these issues involving our justice system here? Well, the problem with the Justice Department over the last four years is that, uh, to some extent, public confidence um, has been uh, eroded in the practices of the Justice Department. It's important, former prosecutors say, not only that the system be fair, but that it be perceived as fair. And there are a whole bunch of elements of that. Uh, And when uh, President Trump has taken to Twitter to push the Justice Department to help his friends and attack his enemies, that helps to erode a sense of public confidence in the U.S. justice system. Of course, most justice happens at a state and local level. And so uh, buy-in there, public buy-in there, happens when the system is perceived as fair and when there's a sense of confidence that law enforcement and courts are doing the right things for the right reasons. I think we're right in the middle of that conversation right now. Policing is wrapped up in that conversation. You in St. Louis, of course, have been having this conversation for many years now. I think a lot of people around the country joined the conversation this summer after the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. We are not nearly done with that conversation. Hmm. So as we mentioned earlier, the barrage of news on your beat in the last four years has just been constant. Is there one story that stands out to you most when you look back at the last four years? You know, the last four years uh, are a story about uh, an administration that viewed the government and the tens of thousands of people who work in the government to some extent as an enemy or a deep state. And the challenge of the next administration is to um, communicate to the workforce that remains uh, that they are partners and not enemies in this thing we call government. I think the COVID-19 pandemic has demonstrated that what government does and says matters, and uh, that is gonna be a challenge moving forward. Hmm. It sounds like there's gonna be a lot of challenges ahead of President Biden moving forward, a lot of challenges ahead of this Justice Department, but it's great to know that you're gonna be there keeping an eye on things. Um, And NPR Justice Correspondent Carrie Johnson, I wanna thank you so much for joining us today. So happy to do it. Thank you. And we do want to remind people this event, Justice Speaks with Carrie Johnson, this is coming up this Friday. That's December 11th. It's at 7 p.m. You can register at stlpublicradio.org slash events. This is a virtual event streamed on Twitch. You don't need to worry about getting the COVID. Um, Going to this thing, you can just tune in from the comfort of your home. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.